Uh, we are in week three of a series called My Last Nerve. Next week, my wife and I will wrap up the series together and opening up our lives to you and helping you with some practical tips. And today, as we look at the third installment of this series, I want to talk to you from this thought. Fill up the tank. Fill up uh, the tank. It was around eight years or so ago. I was driving in my car with uh, some of my children, and we were going to pick up pizza. Going to have a pizza night. I believe it was a Friday evening, and I'm going to have time together as a family. And as I was driving and got to the pizza place and picked up the pizza and got back in my car, and as I was driving from the pizza place, pulling out the pizza parking lot, the nose of my vehicle had got out in the street, and it was a busy street. It was three lanes going one way and three going the other way, and I pulled out, and my car stopped in the middle of the street, busy, people honking at me. Get out of my car, embarrassed, looking around, and guess the car that was right coming down the street when I pulled out, the car that stops, the very first car, was a police car. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Looked and realized I ran out of gas. Told the police officer I ran out of gas. He was kind enough to get out of his car. He helped me push my vehicle back into the Pizza Hut parking lot. And you know what I had to do? I had to call somebody so they could bring me a gasoline can. Come on, don't leave your pastor hanging. Who else has run out of gas before? Come on, lift them hands up. Some of you lying in church, stop it and raise your hands. Got the gasoline can, filled up my vehicle, and I was often going with cold pizza. Literally, two weeks later, two weeks later, leaving the house with my entire family. We're headed somewhere, and we're a couple of blocks from home. I got, here's the empty, I got less than a quarter of a tank. But for Herbert Cooper, come on, that'll last you two days. Anybody with me? Come on, somebody. I'm just getting started. And I did not know that my gas gauge was not working properly. And I ran out of gas again. My kids are now saying, Daddy, Mama's a better driver than you. No, she's not. I'm mad, I'm frustrated. We call our neighbors. Our neighbors come with the gas can, take us to the gas station, fill up the gas can so I can gas my car. I done lost all my man points. Ready to sell my car. But I didn't sell it, I just gassed it up again. Got the gas gauge fixed. Friends, can I tell you, getting a divorce because you've fallen out of love is like selling your car because you ran out of gas. Oftentimes, all you need to do is put the work in and get the gasoline back in the relationship again. Can I tell you that marriages can run out of gas? Friendships can run out of gas. Family relationships can run out of gas. So you have to do the hard work of getting the gas can and getting it filled up and fill the tank back 
up with love. You just got to fill it again. You say, Pastor, it's work. You're right. It's work, but it's worth it. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23 says this. All hard work brings a profit. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Any relationship that you want to thrive will require work. Poor relationships happen because of poor investment. You have to understand something about relationships. This is how they work. Every relationship requires work if it's going to thrive. Whether it be parenting, whether it be a work relationship, a dating relationship, a friendship, or a marriage, it requires work. And whenever a marriage drifts apart, somewhere one or both people stop putting in the work because it takes work. You got to keep the love tank full. It's work. And every season, it's work. How many know even when it's cold outside, you still got to go gas up your tank? You want your vehicle to run when it's snowing outside? If you're running low on gas, you still got to gas up your tank. If the wind is blowing 50 miles an hour, you still have to gas up your tank if you want the vehicle to run. And it's the same way with our relationships. Loving someone is work. You got to keep the gas tank full. It's work, not just words. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18 says, Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Don't, don't just say it. He says, let us show the truth by our actions. So when it comes to loving people, don't just say it, show it. I'm going to say that again. When it comes to loving people, don't just say it, the scripture says, but show it. That that's called work. Really loving somebody means I'm willing not just to say it, but I'm willing to show it. I'm willing to show it in my marriage, in my friendships, in my dating, in my parenting. You see, our relationships would drastically improve if we would be committed to show it and not just say it. And here's what I've learned about relationships and the marriage relationship in particular, and that is the I'm in love experience. Statistics actually bear this out. The I'm in love experience lasts about two years. You know that euphoric feeling where you're just like, hmm, oh, I love you. I just got off work. What are you doing? Let's spend some time together. I just can't wait to see you. I just love you. I want to spend every moment. That lasts about two years, if that long. And then when couples come off that high and they start disagreeing because they will and they start arguing because they do and they start getting on each other's nerves, you know what happens? Couples start thinking, I don't know why we got married. You on my last nerve. I don't even like you. Anybody ever thought I married the wrong person? Don't lift your hand. It wouldn't be a good thing to do today. <laughs> I married the wrong person. And, and in every marriage, it happens. Uh, listen, if you're, um, if you're single and one day hoping to get married, I want you to lean in. Don't, don't miss this. If it, it may, may, maybe you're, you're, you're divorced and hoping to get remarried, listen, lean in today. No matter what stage you are in your relationship life, these principles will apply, apply to not only your marriage relationship, but these principles I'm going to share today will apply to almost any relationship. 
And when your marriage begins to drift apart, don't go get a divorce. Go get a gas can and fill up the tank. Come on, somebody shout it with the preacher. Fill up the tank. That was weak. Somebody shout, fill up the tank. That's what you got to do. If you want the relationship to thrive, fill up the love tank. First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 8 says this, love never fails. Love, if you will begin to love, love never fails. Love won't erase the past, but it will change the future. If you will begin to love. Number one is this, love by learning your spouse's needs. Love by learning your spouse's needs. If it's another relationship that you're wanting to improve, well, you just put that in this blank here of love, learning whatever the person's needs are. But th these principles, many of them will apply to other relationships. I want to focus in on the marriage relationship. Love by learning your spouse's needs. If you want to love your spouse well or any other person well, you have to study that person so that you can meet their needs. If you don't study your spouse, here's what will happen. You will begin to meet their needs according to the way, the things that meet your needs. You're trying to take care of their needs based on what makes you happy instead of what makes them happy. And to love with actions, here's how you begin to love with actions. You have to begin to say, I'm going to study you. I'm going to learn you. And we understand in life, if you're going to be successful, you have to be willing to learn. Matter of fact, we know this from school, you elementary school, you go to junior high, high school, you got to study, you got to study the test, you got you to gotta learn, you got to do the homework if you're going to be successful. We understand this when you go off to college, you got to study at the university if you're going to pass and get your degree or maybe you went and got your master's degree, your doctor's degree, you understand you had to study, you had to learn and then you got into your career field, all of those that are working and you had to have some type of training, you showed up at your job and they trained you, they trained you for two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, a month, six months. Some of you had got, got sent off to another state to be trained because training is important. You got to learn the skill. You got to learn what you're doing. It's important to learn and grow on your skills. Some of you, to keep your job, to keep your license, you have ongoing training so that you can continue to be successful at your career. There's new technology. Things have advanced, and so you've got to study and learn. All of the time, we're getting gadgets and devices. There are smartphones, and you got to learn and and then they update your phone how many hate when they update the phone and something changes stop updating my phone i want to learn nothing else but you got to learn you got to learn your, your computer you got you got to learn you've got to always learn and yet when it comes to our relationships we oftentimes throw learning out the window and we wonder why relationships are not successful because in any area of life if you're going to be successful, you got to apply yourself to learning. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 14 says, wise people treasure knowledge. You got to treasure knowledge. You got to desire knowledge. You got to have a hunger to learn. But babbling, the babbling of a fool invites disaster. Listen, when you study your spouse, here's what you will realize. No matter how much you have in common, you and your spouse are different. You start studying them. You start realizing we are different. Your needs are different than my needs. You're different. Tiffany and I are very different from each other. Tiffany is an extrovert. She has extrovert tendencies, I should say, and I'm an, I'm an introvert. 
Some of you wouldn't know that. You said, Pastor, you seem very outgoing. No, I am an introvert. I would choose to be by myself all day versus being with you. Oh, yes, I would. <laughs> I'm an introvert. I, 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 I energize, I, I recharge by being by myself. I'm very task-driven, but I, I want to check off a list. I want to get things done. I'm very task-driven. Tiffany's more go with the flow. Tiffany's a night owl. I'm a morning person. Matter of fact, Tiffany texted me this morning. She said, I just, I don't see how you get so little sleep and still function. You know what I mean? I'm thinking, I don't see how you sleep so much and not function. You know what I mean? She functions well. She, but we're just different. We're different. We, I just want to get up early in the morning. Tiffany, not big into conflict. I don't mind conflict. Tiffany's more of a stuffer. I'm a communicator. Let's talk. Let's talk it out. Let's talk. Let's talk. I, I like to talk. Tiffany grew up eating steak. I, I grew up eating chitlins. Come on, somebody. We're different. We're different. We're different. We're different. So you got to be committed to learn your spouse. So I have to be committed. What, what makes her happy? Same thing with my children and other relationships. What makes her happy? What makes my children? What, make, what makes them tick? What, what makes Tiffany happy? Do you know that about your spouse? What frustrates your spouse? What do they like? You have to study. What, what do they dislike? Listen, you can never stop studying your spouse. And here's why. Because your spouse changes over time. We all change. I am not the same person that Tiffany married 21 years ago. Thank God. I've improved over 21 years. Because Tiffany and I are followers of Jesus our, our attributes, our qualities, the fruit of the Spirit has grown. When I married Tiffany, I didn't trust. I didn't trust her. I didn't trust anybody. I've grown. I've been healed. My wounded heart has been healed, and, and I'm whole, and I'm way more kind. I'm, I'm way more patient. I'm way more. I am not the same person that I was 20 years ago, 21 years ago, and neither is Tiffany. And if we didn't study each other, we would have grown apart. And there have been seasons in our marriage where we did grow apart. But you know what we had to do when you drift apart? You just got to pick up the gasoline can and go to work. Oh, I'm preaching, Ben. You're shouting today, church. You got to get the gasoline can. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I want to do that kind of work. If you want your relationships to thrive, you want your marriage to thrive, pick up the gasoline can and begin to fill your spouse's love tank with gas. You have to study. You have to study so that you know their needs. Number two is this. Number two is this. I want to spend the, the remainder of our time on number two, and that is love is meeting your spouse's needs. Not just knowing, but is meeting your spouse's lead, needs. To, to love with action means I'm going to spend the rest of my life learning you studying you because there'll be different seasons where you evolve and you grow and you develop. I got to learn you and then I got to meet your needs. Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, I know some of you have read that book. He teaches that every one of us have a primary love language and a secondary love language. There, he says there are five love languages and if you ignore your spouse's love language, it's like ignoring the needs of a garden. If you don't tend to the garden, you don't weed and you don't, and you don't water and you don't fertilize, that garden will die a slow death. And it's the same way with your spouse. If you don't meet their needs, they have a primary love language. And if you don't meet that love language, you're not watering, you're not fertilizing. Listen, that, your relationship will begin to shrivel up. 
There will begin to be distance. You'll begin to be irritable. You'll stop liking each other. You'll stay on each other's nerves. The gas will run out the gas tank if you don't keep filling it with love. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4 says, not looking to your own interest. Not all about me. But each of you to the interest of the others. And if every day you will look out for your spouse's interest, you will focus on filling your spouse's love tank. Let me tell you what will happen. A fractured marriage will be healed. If you'll focus on filling your spouse's love tank, a dying marriage will come alive again. If you'll focus on filling, it doesn't matter where you are right now in your relationship, if you will focus on filling their love tank, a bad marriage can become a good marriage. A good marriage can become a great marriage. You just have to pick up the gas tank, the gas can, and start pouring into their gas tank and watch how God begins to work. Love, it will not erase the past, but it will change the future. It's work, but it's worth it. I want to cover with you for the next few moments the five love languages. It's going to impact your marriage, but it will also impact other relationships that you are in if you will fill the love tank. Number one is this, the, love, the five love languages. The first is love with your words. You have to begin to love with your words. Some of you are married to someone whose primary love language is words. Please hear me, if you rob them of words and kind words, their love tank is going to diminish is going to begin to run dry. You have to fill their heart and their life up with words. Words are very important to them. Did you realize that your words can change your marriage? Your words can change any relationship that you're in. Your words are powerful. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 20 says, wise words. I love how the writer of Proverbs, the, 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 the selection of words he chooses. Wise words satisfy. They'll, they'll fill you up. Like a good meal, the right words bring satisfaction. They'll, they'll fill the tank. He says in Proverbs 16, verse 20, 24, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. I want to just give you some real practical tips on how you can fill your spouse's love tank full with kind words, how you can bring healing to your relationship, how you can bring encouragement to your relationship by your words. Practical tips. Here's some practical tips. Love with encouraging words. With encouraging words. Start, start telling your spouse, you look good in that outfit. You look handsome today. You look pretty today. You say, Pastor, I don't believe that anymore. Say it by faith. <laughs> Call those things that are not as though they were. Come on, somebody. You're people of faith. Come on, start speaking encouraging words. You're such a, a hard worker. I'm so blessed to have you as my husband or as my wife. Compliment them in the presence of others. Give them compliments. I'm telling you, you are married. Some of you are married to somebody. Words mean so much to them. It fills their tank. Some of you start, start loving with positive words. Start saying things like, that meal was excellent. Thank you for mowing the grass. You're so good with the kids. Practical things. 
Look, look for your spouse's strengths. It's so easy because the longer you live with someone, you get to see all of their weaknesses, all of the, the, the issues that they have, and you can begin to focus on that instead of all of their good qualities. Begin to focus on their good qualities. Focus on their strengths and compliment them. Tell them they're a great spouse. Tell them they're a great mother. Tell, tell, tell them he's a great father. Speak, speak kind words. Start saying, I love you. I love you. Do, do it every day. Some of you on the two-year plan, get that thing to weekly. Come on, somebody. I love you. Start saying, you're very special to me. I don't know what I would do without you. Start writing kind notes. Maybe write a love letter. Say, Pastor, I'm too busy to be writing a love letter. Go buy a card. I'm trying to help somebody today. Words mean so much to your spouse. Love with forgiving words. Start, start, start saying things like, I forgive you. Those words are powerful. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I'm telling you, church, today that practical tips of loving with your words for some of you will change your relationship. It will change your marriage. You'll start putting gas in the love tank if you'll do it consistently. Number two is this. Love with acts of service. Acts of service. Some of you are married to someone whose love language is simply acts of service. For this person, Talk is cheap. They, they want to see it. The husband can say, I love you a million times. And the wife is like, if you love me, big boy, grab that vacuum cleaner and get to work. <laughs> if you love me, do some laundry. If you love me, take out the trash before I ask you. Wash the, come on, go wash the kids so I can get my nails did. If you love me, don't just tell me, show me. If that, some of you, that's how you feel. And because that's, your, your love language is acts of service. This is actually my love language. My, 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 my top love language would be acts of service. For people like this, actions speak louder than words. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 says, instead be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And, and I love this. The, the Bible doesn't say just speak kind. The Bible says be kind. Be kind. And if you are married to somebody, maybe it's one of your children that you're raising and, and, and their primary love language is acts of service. Let me give you some practical tips. Make a list of things that your spouse has asked you to do over the past few weeks or few months. And just begin to do just one per week or, or two per week. Just begin to do it as an act of love and watch the difference it makes in your relationship. Uh, just ask your spouse, ask your spouse, what is a, the top 10 things that you would like me to do over the next month? And then ask them, prioritize it for me. Put it in order of what you, in the order that you would like it, do, like, like, like it done. And then just begin to do it as an act of love and watch the difference. Watch how it begins to fill their love tank. Here's what you begin to do. If, if, you're, if you're married to somebody whose love language is acts of service, start taking mental note and even write down things they complain about. Start, start writing, dang, dang, write it down. Okay, they're complaining about that. And then just start, start doing it. And watch the difference that it makes in your relationship, how it begins to fill the love tank. Number three is this. There's a, a third love language where we're learning about our relationships. We want, to Im, we want to improve our marriages, but we also want to improve all of our relationships. We have to realize people have a primary love language. I can't love you the way that I want to be loved because it may not be your love language. Number three is this. Love with your time. Love with your time. For some people... Love is spelled T-I-M-E. Quality time fills their love tank. 
They, they, they love to have your undivided attention. They, they, they love to engage in conversation with no distractions. They, they, they love focused attention. And some husband and wives think they're spending quality time, but they're really not. They're just in close proximity. They're in the same house, in the same room, but there's really not this quantity and quality time together. And in our world, you have to fight for this because there are so many distractions that keep us from spending quality time. The television is blasting. Some have multiple televisions throughout the house blasting. Children screaming, smartphones alerting, text messages coming through, emails coming through, posting on social media about your date instead of actually talking on your date. And some of you, if you're married to somebody who their primary love language is, is quality time, your spouse is thinking, I hate your phone. Put down your phone. Turn off your computer. Stop texting. I, would you please, please stop taking a picture of us today? Honey, pause. Let's smile. Get the food together. I'm going to break your phone. Talk to me. I don't care if we get a like. Like me right now. Love language. Love language. My wife's top love language, primary love language, is quality time. And I was blowing it. I, three years or so ago, things weren't good. There was tension. I was tired. I was irritable. I was working hard, coming home, working at night. And Tiffany would talk and want to talk and and I'm halfway talking and cutting her off and rolling my eyes and tell me some more. Really? Good. And I'm thinking, but I'm providing. I'm working hard. You know I love you. I'm taking care of the children. I'm faithful. And her love tank was running on fumes because of my neglect to meet her needs where she is and where she was. And that's quality time and so I had to shift I had to change I had to begin to invest in our relationship quality time Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16 says making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil and you have to ask yourself how can I make the most of my opportunities with my spouse how can I spend quality time with them I want to just give you some practical tips practical tips for quality time here's some practical tips go on a date once a week Go on a date. Get, get a babysitter. For me, I even leave my phone at home. This is one way I'm just telling Tiffany, you're my attention. I just leave my, my you're my focus. I'm leaving my phone at home. She takes hers just in case the children need us, but we, I just leave my phone at home. I say, Pastor, I can't get a babysitter. I can't afford a babysitter. Get in a small group. And y'all rotate babysitting. Come on. That's right. That's why you can't go on no date nights because you're not in no small group. I'm preaching to you today. That's right. There's some benefits about being connected. Moving right along, number two, have a conversation. Actually, actually, this, is, this can be hard. It can be hard for me. I come home, I'm tired, I don't feel like talking, but I, I've just learned to connect with my spouse. And you know what you have to do? Don't give one-word answers. How was your day? Good. What you do? Stuff. Could you give me a little bit more? More stuff. 
have a, actually have a conversation. This has been a game changer for my wife and I. We have an annual trip together, just an annual trip, me and her. We just take without the kids. We just go on an annual trip. It can just be a little short trip that you just get away together. Maybe you go on walk, a walk together a couple times a week as a couple. Just, just you two go on a walk and spend time and just, just talk. Maybe it's going shopping together, doing a hobby together, going, going, going bowling together, playing tennis together. Maybe, maybe it's serving together. You're serving the same ministry together at church. Or maybe you go to the city rescue community and you just you, you filled up by just serving together, doing something together. I'm just saying find practical ways to love your spouse with time. Number four is this. Number four is this. The five love languages. Our job is not just, we got to spend the rest of our life learning each other. And number two, meeting each other's needs, filling each other's love tank. Number four is this. Love with your touch. Love with your touch. Physical touch is huge for some people. It's how they get their love tank filled. To this person, nothing speaks more deeply to their heart and to their soul than being touched in the appropriate way. Right now, all the women are thinking, hold me, and all the men are thinking, sex, preach, pastor. But that's how different we are right now. Hold me, yeah, hold, I want you to touch me. He's like, yeah, touch me, girl. Amen. <laughs> We're different. We're different. We're different. Physical touch includes sex, but it's so much more than sex. Let me just give some practical tips. If your spouse's love language is physical touch, and maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I don't know what my spouse's love language is. I don't know what my children's love language, what they are. Here's what you ask your spouse. So I, me and Tiffany, I, I know her love language. She knows mine. But yesterday, because I was preaching on this, I just asked her again, which will make sure I got your love language still. Here's what I think it is. It's still, yes, it is. And she did say, so I just, I want to make sure I'm hitting the bullseye. I want to make sure I'm, my, my wife and I, we talk, we, we know our children's love language. We, we know how they're wired, the things that speak to their soul, the things that minister, and they're all different. You got you to study, you got to learn your spouse. Here's some practical tips. If your spouse's love language is physical touch, here's some practical things to do. When you're walking together, hold their hand. Just hold their hand. When you're sitting together, maybe in church, at a movie, at a ball game, maybe put your arm around her or Put your hand on his knee. Just, just that, that touch can mean so much to somebody who, who thrives with physical touch. When you come home, give your spouse a hug. Give them a kiss. That's something that we practice in our home. I hug all of my children every morning. I hug my wife every morning. And when I get home, I give everybody a hug. I, I actually like physical touch. It's not my top love language, but it's something that I do enjoy. Sit together and snuggle when you're watching TV. It, it, it could breathe life into your spouse. Give a spontaneous back rub, foot massage. I like physical touch, and I've asked Tiffany to give me a massage, but she can't. Come on, somebody. Pray for my wife. I'm like, that's a massage? Stop. <laughs> I love her, but she can't give a massage, somebody. Maybe, maybe play with your spouse's hair. Play with her hair. Uh, rub his bald head. You know what I'm saying? Regularly be intimate with your spouse. Love language, physical touch. It literally fills up some spouse's gas tank. You gotta fill up the tank. Number five is this. Number five, the fifth love language is love with gifts. Love with gifts. Some of you, your marriage is shriveling up because giving gifts is not happening in the relationship. And you didn't realize it. Your spouse craves it. When you were courting, when you were dating, you used to give gifts and buy gifts and do all these little kind things and all these gifts. And boy, it spoke their love language. 
now that you're married, you've, you've stopped doing that. And it's really causing their heart to shrivel up. And some of you are thinking, Pastor, I can't afford to give a lot of gifts. Well, it doesn't take a lot of money. It just takes an effort to meet your spouse's love language and start giving gifts. Let me just give you some practical tips. It doesn't have to be expensive. Practi- practical tips for giving gifts. You could give your wife flowers. Pastor, I can't afford flowers. Go buy one rose. Go pick one and give it away. I'm just, it's, it'll speak language. Go buy some candy. Buy him a new tool. Give him a new screwdriver. It sounds so small, but I'm telling you, people who, who, who love receiving gifts, it, it can speak their language. Bring home a pizza for dinner. Maybe a handmade gift out of wood or out of a scrapbook or pictures. A handmade gift. Bring home their favorite coffee drink or snack or dessert. Just set a reoccurring reminder on your phone once a week to remind you, give my spouse a gift. I know this speaks their language. I know this speaks their, I'm going to get them a little small gift. Remember, remember, let's not merely love with words, but with actions. 1 John 3, 18, Proverbs 14, 23, all hard work brings a profit. Mere talk, mere talk will lead to poverty in your relationships. It takes action. It takes filling up the tank. I'm going to learn your needs, and I'm going to fill up your tank. Come on, everybody shout, fill it up. Come on, somebody shout, fill it up. Come on, shout it again, fill it up. If you want your relationships to thrive, don't talk about it. Grab the can. I know the relationship is 20 degrees and it's cold and snowing, but it's work, but it's worth it. Grab the can and fill up the tank. Pastor, I don't feel like it. We don't feel our way into action. We act our way into feelings. Grab the can and began to fill it up and watch the feelings follow.